0: Anytime you take on an investment, it's a long term relationship. I think the average, this used to be a statistic. I don't know if it's still the same anymore, but like the average best venture investment lasts longer than the average marriage in America. So, like, it's quite like if you take on an investor, it's like almost quite literally like getting married.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Funding Innovation with Net Capital. I'm Kathy Kreisler and I head up marketing here at Capital. and today we're taking questions from our current issuers who are just starting out with their equity crowdfunding raise. So if you're a founder who's just starting out with your fundraising efforts or you're on the fence about equity crowdfunding, stay tuned for some really insightful answers from our CEO, Rob Burnett. Rob, this is one of the most common questions we get from our issuers, which is what is the best way to prepare for my equity crowdfunding raise and how is it different from a traditional raise?
0: Uh, I can't recommend it highly enough um, starting to build, organize and warm up your lists. So, you know, in a traditional fundraise, a list would typically be pretty small, maybe 100 investors. You'd send you know personal emails to each one of them, maybe a pitch deck. Maybe you connect with them on LinkedIn and try and and organize a meeting with crowdfunding, it's that on steroids, Uh, you're going to want to build as big a list as possible and as many lists as possible. And then you want to make sure you're in contact with them. And um, so I'd recommend breaking down lists into a couple of categories. Um, Everyone should have a friends and family list, it can be three people, it can be 100 people, but everyone should have that list of people who Exist in your network who might want to invest, or at least you want to offer them the opportunity. Uh, some of you will have customer lists, or you know, some some companies have you know pre signups if they're not in market yet. Um, a lot of you will have other kind of lists around the business, so advisors and people who are interested, and maybe vendors or potential customers, things like that. So you know building that list can be good. And then um, one, you know, I'll dive into this in a second, but certainly a list of potential like angel investors or more institutional money um, can be very valuable. Uh, And then, you know, anyone who wants to work with larger group uh, marketing firms, you know, doing press releases or working with digital marketing firms on their lists, those are all really good as well. But for each of those lists, you want to make sure you actually have them written down or, preferably, you know, not by hand, preferably in some kind of spreadsheet or something like that. And then you actually wanna talk to them. Um, For a friends and family list, you might, you know, offer to grab coffee with people. You might just send them a nice personalized email that looks very unfancy talking about, hey, you've got something big coming up and you're gonna need their help. Um, For customer lists, you can make it a little more fan fairy and say, hey, we got a big announcement coming. Stay tuned, tell your friends, sign up, you know, listen in, things like that. Uh, but you know, most entrepreneurs underperform in this, uh, in kind of this arena, they're not spending enough time building and then warming up their lists. Cause if the first time anyone ever hears from you is, Hey, I need money, invest in me. It typically has a low conversion rate. Whereas if you're sending them emails already right now saying, Hey, look at all the great work I'm doing on the business. We're growing, we're building this new thing. We launched this new feature. Uh, and then you know they get a couple of those emails. They like your style. You learn a little bit better what they like, and you get to kind of practice your skills of of kind of chatting with your your audience, whether that's in kind of email form or something else. Um, then when it comes time to ask them for money or build up the actual launch, uh, you're you're much more, more credible. You're much more polished, and you're ready to go. Uh, and so. I highly, 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 I kind of can't emphasize enough how much you guys should be building lists and like having them in uh, e- you know, email service providers like MailChimp or Klaviyo uh, and then being ready to, to go.
1: What if you're a founder who hasn't yet hired a marketing team or isn't good at marketing? What are some tools out there to help them get started?
0: ChatGPT actually is a really great tool for doing first drafts of emails and asking for email calendars. So if you just say, hey, ChatGPT, I'm launching a crowdfunding event, what cadence should I send emails at? It'll give you a rough justice. Uh, You should obviously review the whole thing, read it. It's never a final draft, but it's a great way to do a first draft.
1: Great, thank you. And so one of our issuers is asking, he has been sending out video vignettes. And what he wants to know is, is it better to just put all of the content directly in the email or is it better to send potential investors to a website of some sort with a form?
0: That's a great question. So it depends a little bit on your goals, but in general, my um, my advice is to try to build a funnel. So this is kind of marketing 101, but I will admit I'm not the greatest marketer in the world. I, there's other people who are better at that than me, but I understand some of the basics. And especially with investing, because investing isn't buying a product, right? Investing is kind of like buying a dream because you're essentially buying it's a little bit, it's a little bit lottery ticket, a little bit kind of financial decision, a little bit gut purchase where someone's buying a a potential future reward, which is really amorphous. And so with a sale like that, and you guys should all think of this as sales with a sale like that, you're going to want to make sure you're, you're really warming up and getting the very best leads you possibly can. And the best way to do that is a funnel. So if you think about, you know, if you're what the top of the funnel is the most people who will see your business. Now some people you might have a bigger email list. So that's where you're going to get the most people into the top of the funnel. For some people there it's going to be their Instagram where that's where the top of the funnel is. That's where the most people are. Um, then typically what you want to do is where companies make mistakes is instead of let's pretend I'll take Instagram as an example. Let's say your company has got a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. If you simply post on Instagram, come invest in my business. Some people will click on the link and land up on your net capital page, but very few will convert. But if you post a little quick video on your Instagram page that says, you know, here's what we're doing a little teaser, a little happy meal sized bite. And then, and then it says, if you want to learn more, either come to our website or sign up for this webinar. I'm running every week. Then someone comes and you give them something longer form. Oh, I come to the website. I've got an hour long video. You know, or, and I certainly got a place to sign up with my email address to learn more, or I come to a webinar like this, where you're pitching your business and talking about things and taking questions from investors. Then the people who are, who, who kind of take the step from the top of the funnel to that second level, they're much more invested. They've taken time. They're interested. And with them in that second piece of the funnel, you probably want to capture their email address or do something to kind of capture their information. And then from there, you send them to the capital and say, come invest. And what happens is then you bounce between those two because some people will go straight from level two to investing, but others will need four or five emails after that saying, hey, you came to our webinar, do you want to come to another one? Can I answer questions for you? Or do you want to just go invest? And and that follow-up, that constant follow-up um, is really important. So, uh, you know, the number of entrepreneurs I've spoken with who said, yeah, I've emailed everybody and no one gets back to me. And I ask them how many times they've emailed everybody. They say once, maybe twice. You know, we're talking seven to 10 times will sometimes be what it takes. Um, Basically, you should use those videos in a place where it can send people to a place where you can capture their information.
1: And is it better to have one big long video or can you have a group of shorter videos?
0: Uh, That's a good question. So like throughout their page, we definitely had some companies put little videos throughout their page. Um, It doesn't happen super often. I'm not sure if there's any kind of strong evidence one way or another, if it but, but it, it sounds pretty engaging. I, I certainly wouldn't advise against it. Um, what we see more often, or, or, or so I should say, not more often, but what we've seen more successful, be more successful, is people, companies consistently putting out quality content. So mm-hmm. instead of putting out 10 uh, videos on your page on day one, or maybe do that, but then also release each of those 10 videos, one a week, and have them tell a story over time. Our most successful issuer, uh, by multiple metrics, they spoke to their audience every week for like five years, every week for five years. And they ended up building a list of emails, you know, it started with 10 people and their email list ended up at over 100,000 by the time they were ready to do. Crowdfunding with that capital, and so if they raised millions of dollars in a in a single day, uh, because they, people were so used to hearing from them, yeah, and and they were masters of creating a personal connection with their with their network, right? Um, because personal connection matters in this in this day and age of of quick connections and digital marketing and digital media.
1: Absolutely, Rob. Well said. And so one of our issuers is now asking whether it's worth. Uh, seeking out other investors like angels or VCs when you're also doing a reg CF raise?
0: Um, we're finding that some company, some of our bigger companies are actually having quite a bit of success with angel investors. And I think it's important to level set with, you know, for anyone here who maybe hasn't raised before or hasn't raised from, from more sophisticated investors like angels or VCs, it's worth kind of talking for a second about what that tends to look like. Um, first and foremost, the first step is to build a list. Um, great ways to do that are to go on Crunchbase, uh, what used to be called angel List. I think it's now just angel.co, um, or LinkedIn, and just search kind of angel investor in your area, or people with angel or investor in their title. And then it's that's really hand-to-hand combat. It's really you know, email them asking for advice. Hey, I'm in you know I'm in you know, I'll pick us from Boston where we're we're based. You know, you, you seem like you're a Boston-based angel. I've got this business, I'm thinking about raising money. Can I just grab, can I buy you coffee and can you can you advise me on my pitch? And you should try to do that five, 10, 15, 20 times. And most angel investors are pretty cool. They'll 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 come and chat with you about it. Now they might not invest in you, but they'll come chat with you about it. And that's important for two reasons. One is it'll help you refine your pitch. And two is angels investors know other angel investors. So if they don't like your pitch, but they think it's good, they will introduce you to people who will like your pitch. And it typically takes on average 40 no's to get to a yes in a in a seed round, uh, you know, depending on what statistics you look at. And so thinking about that order of magnitude, you know, you need to, you really need to kind of, be, having two or three investor meetings is probably not nearly enough. It's not even in the right order of magnitude. So I like the level set that, you know, Starting to build a list of 50 to 100 angels and reaching out to them and trying to meet with as many of them as possible is a way to level set and get it going. Um, uh, another one of our more successful raises, if they met with, I think they said exactly 40 or 42, it was 40 or 42 um, angel groups. So not even just individual angels, but angel groups. And only two of them decided to invest, but those two were each worth well into the six figures each. And that drove more momentum outside of just those investments. So those were very powerful. So, you know, spending some dedicated time to look for angels and, and kind of do that outreach can be very, very um, powerful as a as an addition to the rest of your fundraising efforts.
1: Okay, but when you approach angels, what's the best way to approach them? Do you ask them for money directly the first time you talk to them? Do you ask for advice first, or what's the best way to do this?
0: Yeah, I, I feel fairly strong. I usually don't advise many, many things fairly strongly. Usually I give every, everyone kind of do, do what feels right. I feel fairly strongly that you should ask for advice first. Um, anyone who's put the word kind of investor or or angel in their LinkedIn description, for example, they are bombarded by requests for investment, probably just about every day. I mean, I know this because I'm not, an, I'm not an investor, but I happen to run, you know, some people mistake net capital for an investor or an investment fund. And I get solicited at least once a week by, you know, what looks like an automated message from some entrepreneur being like, I got this great opportunity, you just have to take a look. And when I get that, I automatically think that it is not a good investment. And I mean, not that I'm even making investments, right? That's not even my job, but it really, it. When someone's sophisticated, and and this is their job to make investments, it's very hard for them to take that kind of outreach seriously. You might get lucky and catch their eye with a, a just the right statistic or be exactly in the right place, but it's gonna be hard. So my recommendation would be to very much send a one or two liner. Hey, I'm in your city, you seem cool. I I need some help with my business. Can, can I buy you, like literally, can I buy you coffee? I would really appreciate it. Uh, a lot of them won't, won't respond, but a lot of them will. And they'll say, Yeah, sure, I'll do it. Or, hey, you know, and you can always send a follow up saying, Hey, doesn't seem like this was right for you. That's totally fine. Um, do you know any other angels in the city who might be interested in my space who could give me some advice? Um, but investors, you know, not to paint with a broad brush, but investors typically think they're very, very smart. Um, anyone who makes a living basically placing bets has to believe that they're smart. Um, and so playing into that and asking them to be smart for your benefit can be really kind of nice on their ego. They tend to work, tends to work pretty well. Whereas, Hey, give me your money. Um, not that you'd be that crude, but that is a much harder barrier to clear, right? That's a instantly I'm nervous versus, Hey, I, I really need your help. That's an ego, an ego boost. So that would be my recommendation around any, you know, Basically, almost anyone, I, that's a it's a good tactic to use with anyone you want to give you money is asking them for advice first.
1: Okay. And one of our issuers asked, what's the best medium? Is email better than LinkedIn? Is one medium better than the other?
0: Yeah, if you can, um, email tends to be better, right? LinkedIn is still a public platform. Uh, and so, you know, and you can think about how you do it, operate in your own life. Um, my email, my inbox is my to-do list, right? If someone sends me an email, yeah, I get quite a few marketing emails that, that look like they look real, but they're really marketing emails, they'll know it. But I get a lot of those and I just delete them. But when someone messages me on LinkedIn, I, I kind of presume they don't know me because anyone who knows me would just email me. So it's, it's a, it's a higher level of skepticism. Whereas like if someone texts me, I definitely text them back because like, you know, only, you know, I don't use texting nearly as much for work, right? So um, LinkedIn's a pretty darn good tool. Like it's not like sending someone a Facebook message or DMing them on Instagram. Uh, like it's pretty professional. It's pretty well respected. Like I definitely connect with people on LinkedIn who I've never met because they send me a message and it's genuine. Uh, but if you can if the best way to do, especially again for angel investors, but it's a good way to start and a good way to think is the more you can kind of build personal a personal web, a personal network, the better off, right? So if you can find an angel's email, shoot them an email because it can make it much more personal. Even better, if you can get someone in to introduce you to that angel, you know, someone today just sent me an email saying, hey, you know, hey, Rob, I haven't spoken to you in five years, but this other guy wants to talk to you. Will you do it? Like, I'm definitely going to talk to that guy. I don't know if um, I'm going to use this product. I don't know if I care, but you know, I, it might not be a good fit, but I'm sure as heck going to take the I'm going to take the call even because it was a, a buddy of mine who I haven't spoken to in years, but was a good connection. And, and it's nice to, nice to hear from him. Um, and so the more you can get, basically my, uh, my, my baseline advice would be any meeting you get, do not leave that meeting without getting a commitment for that person to introduce you to at least one, if not two or three other people. Now that can be hard. They might not like you. They might tell you to go away. I'm not going to ruin my credibility on you. I, I hate your idea, but in general, right. Don't ever leave a meeting without saying, Hey, uh, who else should I talk to? Uh, Oh, you should talk to X and Y. Oh, great. Would you be willing to make an introduction for me? And, and most of the time people will say yes. Uh, one thing I always like to tell entrepreneurs, right, is our startups are our child. And we all think our child's beautiful, but most sort of the people just don't care that much. Um, and so people will be nice in person. They will say, yeah, I'd be happy to help. And then life gets in the way and they forget and they get tired and they don't pick the phone and they, they forget to follow the email and blah, 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 blah. So make things easy for people. Um, you know, you're the one raising money, which is the hardest job basically in all of entrepreneurship. Uh And so, you know, making it easy for everyone to help you uh, is a good thing, right? So communicating often, communicating clearly, um, don't bury the lead, right? Put everything right out there can be very, very useful.
1: Now, just to switch gears a bit, we have an issuer who has actually heard a lot of negativity from venture capitalists in terms of equity crowdfunding, regulation crowdfunding. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. It's something we've dealt with from basically day one um you know venture capitalists in particular you know they provide a really important service this is their industry that we're you know i don't i I don't want to overstate how much we're disrupting it right but we we are competition um you know if they don't hold all the power in the checkbooks they lose some of their their leverage but listen that you know that's that's a more esoteric argument right the the brass tacks of it is entrepreneurs need capital and VCs worry about things they can't control and they worry about downside risk. And to them, things they don't understand constitute downside risk. And so, an investor that they they might not understand like the crowd, right? It, it, unknowns just don't sit well with them. And, you know, the thing about the the thing about it, it is like any bad investor can be highly disruptive. Taking on investors is a responsibility for any company and a bad investor can throw the wrench in the works of a lot of things. And so if you're a VC, you're saying, I don't know what the crowd's going to do. I don't know what, I, I don't know if I like it. So giving giving them kind of the, the, the biggest benefit of the doubt, right? It's a, it's, it's a legitimate concern. It's an investor. They basically don't understand and they worry that it's going to put a wrench in the works. Um, I think the answer to that is you typically trying to push on like, okay, what, what in particular are you worried about? Um, Because basically all of our biggest raises on the capital have gone on to raise institutional money. So there's a good track record and a growing track record of, of basically crowdfunding backed startups going on to raise larger institutional rounds and being successful and then not disrupting them. Um, And then you know, one bit of ammunition for net capital in particular is the one line on the cap table, right? Your cap table is going to have one record owner. Uh, and that typically calms down quite a few people. They worry about you having a thousand people on your cap table and they realize it's only one that typically calms 90% of the nerves. Um, so I think that's some ammo, but I think that, you know, in particular, what I usually try to ask is, you know, what in particular are you, um, are you worried about? Because, um, the last time I had that conversation with a, with basically a VC or the council of a VC, um, they kept coming back with like conflicting answers, like literally, they'd be like, well, this is a problem. I'm like, well, that has nothing to do with crowdfunding, that has something to do with something else. And then they'd say, but we're also worried about that. It was just this amorphous fear of the unknown, what it came down to. Now, that doesn't mean that people won't be irrational and say, well, I'm just not comfortable with it. but. We're, we're finding that that's exceedingly rare, at least from our from our experience.
1: Yeah. And even if you argue that with net capital, at least there's only one line on the cap table, there will always be people who are scared of the regulation crowdfunding. And sometimes you just have to realize when it's time to walk away from a certain investor.
0: Yeah. And I you know I've never I've never one to shy away from those things. Right. Like, you know, there's all people always have opinions you know, all of the stuff's hard, right? We're all trying to start companies. There's lots of conflicting um, advice. There's lots of conflicting, um, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of motivations and, and interests. Uh, and getting everyone to align is is tough. I mean, I think uh, you know, anytime you take on an investment, it's a long-term relationship. I think the average, this used to be a statistic, I don't know if it's still the same anymore, but like the average venture investment lasts longer than the average marriage in America. So like, it's quite like if you take on an investor, it's like almost quite literally like getting married. So, you know, you're with them through the rest of your company. You can't undo these transactions. Uh, and so, you know, taking it seriously and and you know addressing people's concerns is, is you know, not something that's, that worries me too much. And the, the good part for us is, you know, it was something certainly that was a little bit more of a worry six, seven years ago when we were starting this out, but the track record's starting to speak for itself, which is really, you know, it's good. It's, it makes me happy, right? That. People are having success and and, and you know, and companies are still continuing to grow and, and get follow-on investment.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Rob. And thanks, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions you want us to answer, feel free to email us at team at netcapital.com and we'll try to answer them on our next episode. Take care.